From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter, and this is a Vine Pair Podcast Conversation. We're bringing you these conversations between our regular podcast episodes in order to examine how the industry is moving forward during the COVID-19 crisis. Today, I'm talking with the founders of Lalo Tequila. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Hey, Adam. Thank you. Hi. Thank you for having us. Do you guys all want to sort of introduce yourselves? I know there, there's three of you so that sort of the audience can, can understand whose voice is associated with, with who's talking. <laughs> sure. Lalo, why don't you go first? Yes. Uh, thank you so much, Adam. Um, I'm Lalo Gonzalez. Um, I've been, uh, you know, involved in the tequila business literally since I was born. So, uh, so yeah, I'm from Mexico. I'm from Guadalajara. And um, yeah, my, my background, it's basically uh, being part of a tequila family. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm David, I'm also from Guadalajara. And uh, my background, I have been doing the brand strategies, uh, mostly for tequila brands. So I have been doing that for more than 10 years. And it's kind of like how you're going to hear how Lalo and I approach each other and talk about doing this. And I'll let you... Yeah, and then uh, I'm Jim McDermott, um, and I'm actually from Austin, uh, Texas. And so I was sort of an entrepreneur um, throughout my 20s. Um, and then for the last decade or so, have been involved in various consumer packaged goods brands, uh, helping kind of with startups and, and fundraising and the private equity side of the business. So I'm sort of the I'm sort of the business geek. Awesome. Uh, and are you guys in Mexico or in Texas right now? We're in Austin. We're in Austin. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and you guys are traveling a pretty good bit between both places, correct? Yes. Basically, uh, I'm uh, just uh, going back and forth from Guadalajara to Austin, um, Texas, uh, basically um, just to you know support the brand here in the U.S., but also uh, like overseeing production and bottling and labeling in, in Jalisco. Very cool. So let's get into it because uh, I'm really curious uh, to talk to you guys. When when um, you know originally I learned about the brand, found it really interesting. Lalo, given your background, which I want to get into uh, in a little bit, but also just you know understanding from from your perspective the opportunities that you see in the market. And so the first question I want to ask you is obviously one I'm sure you've gotten before, which is so many people right now are launching tequila brands, right? I think like the, we know tequila is booming as a, as a liquid, um, you know, it's had, it had a massive summer. It shows no signs right now of slowing down. And at the same time, I think the sale of Casamigos by George Clooney, et cetera, has caused a lot of people to think they should be jumping into the market. Um, so what gave you guys the desire, what made you have the desire besides obviously all your, your lifetime in tequila to be another tequila brand in the market? And how do you think you stand out compared to, to what else is launching right now? I, I feel um, maybe I can jump on this one. Sure. Yes, please. And I feel uh, that it started like long time ago, like, kind of like four or five years ago. Um, we were in Guadalajara and well, I was in Mexico City working for, for a really known brand. And, um, and I approached Lalo to be like, well, it's obvious which brand will be, right? Uh, and I approached Lalo and I told him like, hey, you know, like, there's this um, brand brand that I'm like working on. It's gonna be new. Like they want it to be fresh, and it's like it carries like your your the name of your family. So like kind of in honor of your family and like to respect what your grandfather will have like. I wanna I wanna know your thoughts. So we started talking a lot about like how we think tequila should be made and uh, how like some brands were just like trying to please the market and just doing a like any some kind of profile, you know, just because like Americans want it or Mexicans want it or like this is needed or whatever. 
So we we decided to just be like, hey, like Lalo was having like so many good ideas, like that I didn't know from the marketing perspective, and he was more like in the way of uh, respecting the the tequila history. So we decided to be like, hey, why well, we just do something? But it's even if it's not as a business, we just do it just for you and me, and we share it with our friends. So we sell it at cost, you know. So that way we can have like our own tequila that it's not like just a product that it's that it was being made for the market and we need to consume it. That makes a lot of sense. So can you talk a little bit, uh, Lalo, about your background in in the world of tequila? I know you uh, you're related to someone who's very well known uh, in the world <laughs> of tequila, but but it'd be it'd be better for for you to explain it than for me to just tell everybody. Yes, well, you know the you know the story of my of my family uh, in the tequila business started uh, with my grandfather. He started working at a distillery at the age of he was seven years old, uh, and uh, and then um, uh, he started with his own distillery uh, at the age of seventeen, and forty five uh, years uh, later, uh, in the forty fifth anniversary dinner party as a tequilero, uh, my father wanted my father obviously was involved in the company at that time, and he wanted to honor his father with an special edition tequila exclusively for that forty fifth anniversary dinner party. And um, that tequila was Don Julio. So my grandfather was Don Julio and my father was uh, one in charge of launching Don Julio um, in Mexico. In that party was back in 1987. And in 1989, Don Julio was launched officially in, in Mexico. So I was born as well in 1989. So I've been, you know, living and experiencing and, uh, you know, living the world of tequila literally since I was born, you know. So, um, so yeah, that's basically, that's my, my background. We sold the company as a family in 2003. Um, but you know, I always got this idea of honoring the agave, um, respecting the, the legacy and the story of my dad and my, and my grandfather. And, uh, what I saw on the industry is that many, many companies were lost in marketing in, in just like pleasing, uh, like, and, you know, uh, launching new stuff uh and that uh, i just wanted to you know to go back to basics uh, bas- basically go back to basics and just uh honor the agave and focus on only having a, the best blanco ever you know so you think a lot of people have gotten away from even thinking about blanco as sort of like the the quality and, and do you think that people have really thought have gone r- way too hard into like añejo cristalino things like that Yes, and I think I, I I just honestly I don't I don't blame them I don't blame them. Um, but um, you know, for me, an agave it's a plant that uh, has to be respected, and um, the agave stays there for seven years waiting to be harvested. And uh, I think, and I totally respect the other brands that that have like more skews. But I honestly think, and we as a company think that it's not fair for the plant that the plant stays there for seven years and then you mask the flavor of the agave with barrels or additives. So, you know, it's it's the main idea of Lalo, just to honor the agave. And uh, we don't we just don't want to enter in a fight with 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 the other brands that have more skews. I totally respect them, but it's I need I think that you need to have a purpose on this business, and our purpose is that, you know. So what is it, what do you think are the characteristics that make a really high quality Blanco? Like what should people be looking for when, they, when they're when they looking for a Blanco tequila? 
Well, you know, first of all, uh, companies that respect the cycle of the agave harvesting and um, and then obviously uh, the non-additive thing, I think it's important. Uh, you can add on, on the tequila nom, you can add something to 1% of the entire batch of uh, flavors. Uh, so like external flavors. So tequilas that have ex- external flavors, I think that they're not, you know, good for the industry. And, um, and also, um, for example, just doing a, just twice distilled tequila, I think that you're also respecting the agave because you, if you do a third distillation, then you are, you, you're, you know, shaving a lot of flavors. So you're stripping away th- like the, the esters and things like that. Yeah. Interesting. So um, we had a tequila distiller come into the office about nine months ago before, you know, social distancing and basically said, if you take, te- if you take a Blanco and rub it between your hands yes. and, the, and your hands are still sticky, then you know that additives have been added and that the, the tequila is not pure. Yes. Um, and so I'm curious, um, you know, if, if that was true, if that was a party trick that they were playing with us um, <laughs> and, and how you sort of think about that as well. Well, you know, honestly, um, you can you can uh, you can figure out if if a tequila has uh, additives. Not I, I not like doing this with your hands, <laughs> but more like <laughs> just you know tasting it. And if 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 you start tasting like sweetness, like up front, like like a lot of sweetness or a lot of vanilla or a lot of caramel, then you can figure out that that this tequila was manipulated. Okay. That that's the way, you know, that's the way I do it. Uh, but uh, I, maybe that's uh, another way of, you know, rubbing <laughs> in your hands. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and Adam, I would, I would add also is, you know, one of the things that really, really um, got me excited about, about this brand and, and Lalo and David, it's, it's not necessarily that we have, you know, strong opinions about, you know, people's taste preferences, right? I mean, there are people who absolutely love Añejo and who love Reposado. And then, of, of course, we all know Cristalino is like this, this huge growth uh, in the industry right now. Um, and to each his own. I mean, it's, it's really not, I mean, we don't, as a, as a company or as a tequila, make a, make a statement or a judgment call on, on people's preferences. Just for us, um, what is really exciting is the idea of really focusing in on uh, you know, the purity of the Blanco, you know, really being a three ingredient tequila, you know, agave, yeast and water, um, it, because I, there is a direction. I mean, there is a trend that's undeniable um, with with additives or, you know, diffusers in, in the process to to be able to use younger agave and different things to, to produce. I mean, as much tequila as the market is demanding, which is exciting right. for sure. Uh, you know, there's there's no doubt there's a compelling story to to the tequila growth. Uh, it's like tequila and seltzer are like taking over yeah. these days, but um, but for us, it's really you know Lalo always uses honoring the agave, and we just love that as a company um, because it slows us down uh, and makes us think about you know what we're making and why we're making it, um, and and being a blanco only, pure blanco only tequila, um, that's just kind of our preference and what we like to think is kind of our gift back to the back to the industry bringing back to the roots of where Lalo's grandfather, Don Julio, um, really sat in the beginning. So, you know, let's talk about building a brand because I think that's, that's, you know, what a lot of people are always curious about um, and especially building a brand in COVID. So, you know, you guys, how, how long did you launch? We launched in U.S. Um, last September. 
Yeah, we were a, a year a year old on Labor Day. <laughs> right. So so basically, what you know, ha- at least half a year of your life has been in COVID so far. Um, and you know, at least at least you know from the other startup uh, alcohol companies we've spoken to, a big a huge way that a lot of people build their brand is through you know, on premise, right? They get amazing placements in bars and restaurants. They have top mixologists to talk about the the liquid. Uh, they get the liquid added to cocktails, all that kind of stuff, right? And obviously that that really disappeared for a lot of people. So what has your strategy been in terms of building this brand? Um, how are you going to market with it? And who are you targeting? Great question. Um, I'll jump in first on this and Lalo and David, if you guys want to jump in. But um, yeah, 100%, just like anybody else, um, you know, our, our entire brand positioning was in the on-premise last fall. Um, and we technically were kind of in a soft launch last fall, just focusing here in Austin. Um, and we were we had our eyes set on a, a formal launch uh, just after South by Southwest in late March um, in Austin. So COVID definitely kind of came, you know, right when it wasn't supposed to uh, for so many people, for so many yeah. reasons. Um, but yeah, we, we went into, to COVID into March 1st with the overwhelming, you know, 85% uh, of our business was being done through the on-premise channels. Um, and we had incredible traction in Austin and then growing outside of Austin already. Um, and so we had to pivot, um, and really think about, okay, well, what is our off-premise strategy? And maybe we tackle that a little bit earlier than we planned. Um, and so we met with some of our chains and some of our, uh, independent, um, accounts, and around Central Texas, and uh, it was remarkable uh, what happened for us. I mean, we were able to really start um, activating uh, people within liquor stores and just getting them excited about the juice and the story. Um, you know, you asked a little bit earlier, Adam, about you know why another tequila, um, and obviously the the story is compelling. I I always uh, tell our team here that uh, you know. There's like a product triangle that I really think about in terms of like the package, uh, the product, the juice itself in our case, uh, and the story. And, you know, you have a chance as a brand if you if you can really nail one of those two things um, or one of those three things. And if you if you nail two of the three, you've got like two good legs to stand on and have an opportunity. And I, I always say there's like it's the unicorn when you find when you find a brand that really has a, a phenomenal product um, with an incredible package and then a story to boot. And so that's what we really ran with in the off premise. We just kind of told that story and and did the tastings. And, you know, the product presents beautifully on a shelf. It's a very simple and clean um, bottle. Um, and it just it resonated with a lot of our chains. And so uh, we started selling a lot. And then all of a sudden we were picking up a ton of customers off premise. So we were really fortunate in that sense to be a tequila brand that had a simple message and a, and a single skew, to be honest. Right. Is there opportunity for you with direct to consumer or is tequila difficult in that regard? There's opportunity. Um, you know, we, we sell, uh, we sell direct to consumer, um, through, you know, some of the, some of the obvious channels like Drizzly and, and, uh, whatnot through, uh, through Austin and through Texas. Um, we do have, we also sell um, on shopwallowspirits.com, we sell uh, tequila direct to anybody that wants to buy that gets shipped. Um, but for us, it's really more about availability. We don't view it as like a volume driver, so to speak. It's more of, you know, when people want to try it, taste it, um, that's what they can do. Uh, but Drizzly, direct to consumer through like our, you know, our local retailers is a huge uh, component uh, through COVID. It's kind of fading out now a little bit more. Uh, people are kind of going back into stores and, and buying and shopping and talking. But 
Um, but yeah, it, I mean, there was, there's no doubt that was a big component for, for three or four months up through about June. Interesting. So I got a strategy question for you. So, you know, we get a lot of brands that come to us and say, you know, what's your advice for, you know, for launching, you know, a new alcohol brand in the United States. And one of the things we always say is the first thing to do is, is, you know, don't, don't concentrate on a major market, right? So for most uh, alcohol brands, we, we say like, do not go to New York or LA or San Francisco, right. the, you know, the competition is so big, but I have to say, I would assume that that's the same with when it comes to tequila and Texas, right? You're one of the <laughs> largest consuming tequila states in the country. I think most recent data was that you're either number one or number two behind California, right? With Colorado being very quickly behind as well, you know, behind that. Uh, so why Texas? <laughs> and, uh, you know, how much have you thought about that competition that you're facing? And have you thought like, huh, maybe the next place isn't Austin, but maybe it's Nashville or something like that. Um, why Texas? Um, well, like we start coming, like, so remember, like we start this brand, like for friends and family. So we had this brand for, for almost five years in Guadalajara. I am just selling to our friends, right. And to our family and again, to our party, you know, parties. And that was it. So then like we start coming to Austin because we have a lot of friends here. And like, Every time we were coming here, we're bringing bottles and bottles of tequila, you know, like the the liters are like allowed in the, you know, in um, from the airlines, on the airlines, sorry. So it, it became to something, it became the point that it was like, okay, like, I cannot keep checking about just to bring tequila, right? <laughs> like, let's, let's like, just why wouldn't start selling it? So, so we found Jim, our third uh, partner, the one you were talking with. <laughs> And like, and I feel like the advice for people when they want to bring a brand to US is like, find someone that knows about numbers, about like the business and about their, their city, you know, because for us, like Lalo and I could have known um, what, well, what I think a lot or whatever about tequila, but that's not enough to start a business, you know, to right. start a business, you need like the business person, not just the marketing guy and the production guy. So I feel the... What it's going, what what is happening with us is like we have like three elements that are like completely different that we all are together and we trust in each other like 100%. So I really feel like that's the key and and Texas just happened to be the place and now we're like extremely happy because everyone is just trying to help, you know. And as you were saying, like why don't go bigger? Also, we heard from a good friend like be the number one in your garage, in your garage, and in your street, in your neighborhood, yeah, the city. So something that is kind of funny is like when people ask her like, oh, when are you going to be in the city or this other country or whatever, we're like really trying to grow, like not slow, but to control it. You know, we like to go to every restaurant that we're selling, to every liquor store. We want to keep the same friends and family thing and just keep growing the family. Yeah, it's really, honestly, Adam, Austin, you know, is an unbelievably special city in the US. Uh, and I don't say that just because I'm an Austinite and I grew up here. Um, but there's a reason so many brands are built in this town. Um, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a city that loves its own and it loves a story. Um, and so it was a natural, natural movement here. Um, and I was able to kind of co- help convince these guys, this is, this is a great launch pad for a brand like Lalo that's so deep in story. Um, and so that's really why. And, and the other thing, you know, David just mentioned is we are a very hands-on brand and I, I would give advice to anybody launching, particularly a spirit brand, um, to be as hands-on as possible. I think for years and years, as I have been involved in this market, um, you notice really big marketing budgets being fundraised at the outset with a business plan before you've ever sold a case of anything. 
uh, and you're just going to explode the market with ads and billboards and so many different things. And that's how you're going to get your message out. And the consumer is increasingly aware of being sold by hand. And I think that's really a beautiful thing. And that's something that Lalo takes like to heart. We, and we have hundreds and hundreds of on-premise and off-premise accounts. And we have gone to every single one of them. When we go into a restaurant, we do a staff training at almost every single restaurant that we go into as a way to introduce ourselves, uh, show that there are faces and people behind this brand, um, and really just be hands-on um, in, in, in a way that I think sets us apart from you know a lot of the other, well, certainly the other you know, bigger conglomerates, but even other startups. It's just a way to to be seen and known. Um, and I, I just encourage people. And I think that's a big element of, of being successful in a, in a town like Boston, for sure. Interesting. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, have you thought a lot of, at all about where you would expand to next? We have some ideas. Um, you know, you mentioned Colorado, um, which is natural. Uh, we have a lot of relationships and, and friends there as well. Um, you know, we don't want to get too much away about our strategy, but we, right. have, but we do. Um, yeah, we do have, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about never, never launching in a major market kind of a yeah. thing. Well, we, we, this is a, that's an ethos as part of our strategy as well. Right. Um, we are absolutely launching in, in places where we feel, uh, Lalo consumers, um, you know, people that would really enjoy this and take the story and this product and this juice to heart kind right. of live and travel, so to speak. And then uh, we kind of grow from there. So we'll, you'll find Lalo in smaller towns in our new states before you'll find us in bigger markets. Yep, that makes um, a lot of sense. So um, I'll probably leave it at that for now. But yeah, to, to answer your question, Adam, yes, I think by next year, um, we're gonna, you're going to see Lalo in, in quite a few more states. And we're super excited about that. And so what's the, what's the ultimate goal? I mean, is the goal you know, to do what... Lalo, what your grandfather did, you scale the business, you sell Diageo, um, or not Diageo, ultimately, you know, now Diageo owns Don Hilly, obviously, but not in the beginning. Is that the ultimate goal? Is it for you guys to, you know, own and run this business, you know, forever? Have you given thought to that? Well, you know, we are just uh, enjoying the ride now. We don't, yeah. think, we don't think about that, honestly. Um, uh, I think that uh, if you started thinking about, uh, like, a lot of time into the future, then you get lost in the present. So, you know, we're just enjoying the ride of, of, of what we are doing now. I, I totally, <clears throat> you know, what, I, what I'm doing now, uh, to, like for Lalo, doing the trainings and meeting people, I just love, loved, you know, the activity that I have now. And, uh, and uh, when I just remember and like to to support what Jim was saying about the, the word of mouth. Uh, that's what my father taught me to do when the, when he was building uh, Don Julio, you know, and that's the way Don Julio was built in the past. So, uh, you know, I'm just honoring the way my father uh, taught me to do things and uh, I'm enjoying every single minute in this company. It's amazing. This is already like, too much for us, you know, like for Lava and I, like, <laughs> I get like literally all of the cases were in our garage, you know? So, so for us, it is already like too much and, and, and big. And of course, like we dream bigger, but yeah, like it's, I don't know, like what something what Lava was saying, like, I remember, I love like his passion and every time he shares a story about his father or his grandfather, or when he used to go to New York to trainings and 
sitting with his dad, uh, like, you know, like talking with, uh, listening how he was talking to people about, about the brand. I actually, I would love to, you know, to keep that for us and with us and whatever this takes us, like share it with our family and with other generations. But of course, like, we never know, right? Like we're open and this is now our baby that is just in kindergarten. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so we don't know which university will be the best. That was about to say, yeah. Like make, it, it feels like making college plans if you have like a baby, you know? Um, <laughs> it's so, no, we, we are just, we're just loving like, thinking about next week and next month uh, with our with our goals. And we have a, just a phenomenal group of, uh, of salespeople um, that's ever growing. And, and they're like family. Lalo and David and I like love each other like family. I mean, it's it's incredible. And so for us, we're just we're just living this moment and thinking really not much farther than, you know, a few a few months, uh, maybe a quarter or two in advance in terms of where we want to be and why and making sure that we just don't lose control of our story. That's the biggest thing we're fortunate to only work for ourselves. You know, we don't have a group of investors or, uh, you know, anybody to necessarily answer to. It's just the three of us. And so it's really a unique position for us to just think about why we want to be somewhere and be patient about the way that we do it and not necessarily have to rush. It's kind of a beautiful thing. Awesome. Well, guys, this has been really interesting. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me about Lalo the, uh, and, and the brand you guys are building. If people who don't live in Austin wanted to try to find it, how could they find the tequila? They can go to shoplalospirits.com and like they will have it in three days or something. Yeah, it's fun. usually within within a week. Amazing. And yeah, I, I do have to say too, like when I – uh, when I saw the images of the bottle, I mean the bottle is gorgeous. So congrats on the on the branding because it looks really really premium and 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 something that you would love to have on your bar. So I think you did a great job there. Thank, oh, you. thank you. Thank you so much. Well, guys, thanks so much for taking the time, uh, and I look forward to following uh, your growth. Uh, thank you so much, Adam. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.